where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's been a minute since we've been able to catch up with Craig Mish, the host of the Swings and Mishes podcast. You can also check him out on Sports Grid. Find all of the info about Sports Grid on Twitter. They are at Sports Grid, S-P-O-R-T-S-G-R-I-D. Craig joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Craig, we appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me today. What's happening? Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you, especially coming off of this Cardinals versus Marlins series. I wanted to start by talking about yesterday's starter for the Marlins. My goodness, Pablo Lopez has developed into a hell of a pitcher. Uh, He's kind of done so behind the scenes for us here in St. Louis because he's down there in Miami. Is this just what you've become accustomed to, what we saw yesterday from Pablo Lopez? You know, he's, he's pitched very well the last few years. So, you know, we're pretty much accustomed to it. And and really in 2020 during the pandemic season, he was the one healthy pitcher that they had going for a while and was carrying them all the way to the postseason. So uh, not surprised. I I suppose that he's pitching very well, surprising. He's number one in baseball and earn run average. Of course, I don't think anybody would have expected that, but with Pablo, really the only question is staying healthy. He's been shut down. uh, I believe it is two of the last three seasons with different, you know, sort of right shoulder issues. Last year, he had to come back at the end of the year just to sort of prove to himself that he was healthy. He did it. And, uh, and that's really will be the question with him. Can he make 25 major league starts over the course of a season? He's yet to do that. Craig, is he somebody that the Marlins are planning to build around? Or uh, we all know how this ends up working sometimes, especially with pitchers. Do you anticipate that he's somebody that they could look to move if they get some sort of a significant return? Well, I mean, right now it's too early to say because Miami has postseason aspirations. And uh, and I know on the outside looking in, there probably aren't you know, people, a lot of people who predict them to go to the postseason. But with the addition of those two extra postseason teams, I think Miami feels like they have a shot to get there. They're going to have to make a decision on him soon because he'll be a free agent in a couple of years. They just locked up Sandy Alcantara, who, of course, you guys are very familiar with, to a five-year contract. Um, you know, either they're going to have to try and sign Pablo long-term or – as we talk about in this industry a lot, the term is like sell high. What the Marlins consider selling high on Pablo, who has been hurt too, again, of the last three years. I'm not really sure which direction they'll go, but pitching is always going to be coveted at the trade deadline in July for sure. But I think Miami plans on being in it in July, and with the idea that two more postseason teams are in it, I'm not really sure what this trade deadline is going to look like, guys, because almost everybody's going to feel like they have a chance. 
Craig, after this series between the Cardinals and Marlins, what stuck out to you about this Cardinals roster in the early portion of the season? Well, there's no doubt that it looked like it just was basically a year that Nolan Arenado needed to sort of adjust to playing in a new place because, my gosh, if, if he's not the NL MVP or close to it after two weeks, I don't know who is. I mean, single-handedly winning that second game, and you know everybody knows how great a defender he is, so you know, obviously tremendous there. But, uh, look, the, the Cardinals pitching is going to be their question, I think, as we move forward. Uh, you know, Michaelis did a good job. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure what their plan is with Jordan Hicks. I saw him pitch yesterday at the game. And, you know, they're going to try and stretch him out, see how far he could go. And I, and I think that there's going to be some growing pains with him you know, converting into this sort of 80-pitch or 100-pitch starter. But I, I don't think any, there's any doubt that the Cardinals are going to be in this thing from beginning to end. Eventually, Goldschmidt will get hot. I saw some good swings from Dylan Carlson, too. So, um, you know, Car- Cardinals are always going to be there in the end. And I don't think this year is going to be any different. Craig, as you look around the National League right now, how do you view the top tier in this league? Are there a few teams that stand out to you as clearly being head and shoulders above the rest? Well, it's a you know, boring conversation to say the Dodgers, but that's kind of where we're at here. And to, to think that Cody Bellinger could get back right, I mean, that would be scary for them because of, of all the talent that they have already. And Kershaw has looked like the Kershaw of old, too. So I think the Dodgers, to be just really stand above everyone else. And then you have to wonder, is, is this the season that those expectations for the Mets come true? I and mean, we've been down this road, I don't know how many times, <laughs> early part in April, and then you basically, if you just you know close your eyes, the next day the Mets have eight guys going on the injured list and some crazy you know, hand, foot, and mouth diseases and guys out partying, and then they're out for the year. So who knows what the Mets, I, I don't know. They're an impossible team to figure but right now they look like one of the best teams in the National League. But historically speaking, the last decade or so, if you had to bet against the Mets figuring it out and some crazy stuff happening, <laughs> that would probably be accurate. Craig, I want to go back to what you mentioned about the, the trade deadline in July. And I know we are super far away from that. But I'm just curious, how crazy do you think that this trade deadline could get, especially after last season coming off of the, the pandemic season and everyone talking about the biblical losses and the financial situation. Do you feel like this one could be a little bit more intense? I don't know. It could be the opposite because I I think that there are going to be so many teams that are not going to sell because they feel like they have an opportunity to make the postseason. I I, look at this point, it's very obvious and, you know, no disrespect to their fan bases, but it does not look like Pittsburgh, Oakland and Baltimore are going to be in this thing. So those three teams you can identify as potential sellers. I would probably put Arizona in that too, although, again, it is very early. Cincinnati is another one. But having 15 teams at the deadline selling is just not going to happen anymore with extra teams being in it. So it, it, the, the actual day of the deadline could be crazy, but I don't see a lot of smoke leading up to it just because I feel like teams are on July 31st, August 2nd, whenever the deadline is this year. I think that there's going to be a lot more teams feeling they have a chance. Final question that I've got for Craig Mish, uh, the host of Swings and Mishes, also on SportsGrid, where you can watch him as well. Also give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Craig Mish, M-I-S-H. Craig, you had the opportunity to see the Phillies play head-to-head against the Marlins before the Cardinals came to town. Uh, We had a few questions from some of our listeners the other day about them and why it's gone so poorly. I hated the way that they constructed their roster. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're going to mash. They're like a beer league softball team uh, with some of their players, but they just have no defense. Are you surprised at all that it has gone poorly for them thus far? 
Well, I, I guess it's it's too early for me to tell at this point because all things being equal, if the ba- the construction of the actual baseball this year is the same and the amount of runs is going to be similar to last year, then I think the Phillies are going to be fine. But what we've seen in baseball's first two weeks is home runs are down significantly, and that's the way that Philly's going to have to beat you this year is with the home run ball. So if Castellanos and Harper and Schwarber are not hitting 35 home runs apiece, then gosh, that's really going to change the dynamic of what they thought they had going in. And defensively, there's no question at this point that uh, Castellanos is not going to be able to play defense right field. I mean, anytime the Marlins hit a ball to right field, it was it was going for a triple, and and I think he can catch up to the balls in front of him, and you know, sure, make all the easy ones, but once it gets past him, it's a problem. So, I, I'm I'm not really going to ju- jump off Philadelphia just yet, but what I would say is that if home runs around the league are down, then that really is not going to, you know, play into the strength of of what they've tried to accomplish. Um, one other thing I would add before I go, Please. Uh, I, I you know, Danny Mac, of course, who does such a great job you know, with you guys and, and obviously on all the television broadcasts, uh, you guys have such a great, wonderful person and gem in that man. Uh, last night he invited me and my son to watch him and Jimmy Edmonds broadcast the game on television. And we were able to sit there for a few minutes and I'm, I'm so happy I was able to come on here at the end of the show and at least mention that because you guys in St. Louis are so fortunate to have such a tremendous person and broadcaster there and him. And thanks to Danny and Jimmy for letting my son sit in a couple innings there. Man, that's awesome. I, I hosted a show last year with uh, with Dan as they were not on the road here on 101 ESPN. He's, he's the absolute best. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he would do something like that. Thanks for sharing that with our audience, Craig. That's really cool. Nope, of course. I wanted to do it. And thank you guys again for having me on the show. Hope to catch up again soon. A good story helps us understand the world and how to make it better. That idea drives what we do on the Daily News podcast, Post Reports. We bring you stories that empower people. You know this is a fraud, right? Why are you calling people doing this? And that hold powerful people accountable. Wait, you did what? We had to sue your office twice to get our hands on these documents. My name is Martine Powers. I co-host the show. Take the trusted reporting of The Washington Post wherever you go. Follow and listen to Post Reports. Post Reports.